Welcome to Your Story Matters, the show where we share inspiring stories from all around the world. After you've listened to this one, why don't you tell us yours? Share your story at yourstorymatters.net. But first, here's your host, speaker and writer, Angela Schaefers. Today I have the pleasure of interviewing James Boone. He is the founder of Elephant Branded, a socially responsible enterprise. He's going to share his story with us today, let us know what created the passion and desire in him to do what he's doing and talk about his entity, Elephant Branded, and hopefully share some tips with the listeners about how you too can follow your purpose and passion. Hi, James. Welcome to the show. Hi, Angela. Thank you very much for having me. Very excited to have you on the show. I was looking over your website and looking at the things you've been doing. It's very exciting stuff. But before we talk about Elephant Branded, I really would love for you to tell the listeners some of your background and history, maybe some of your past story, perhaps how you grew up, something that might have really sparked the interest and desire in you to do the things that you're doing now. Okay. Well, if I look back to sort of my early childhood. Um, I grew up with two sisters, um, so both younger, but uh, we were always fighting when we were little, but don't mm-hmm. worry, we're all best friends now. Um, <laughs> and I have mum and dad um, as well, so we grew up in a little town in the north of England, but basically most of the time that I spent was in the Lake District, which is sort of the one of the most beautiful mountainous areas of England. Every weekend we'd be up in the mountains and, and walking and water skiing, doing things as a family, which was really sort of important, I think, and actually gave me a lot of the values that I have today, really. Mm-hmm. Um, so from going off and doing adventures in the in the woods and what have you, that I think was sort of quite important for me. Um, and then from there, I, I went to school. I actually went to a school that was quite far away from my my house and my home, it used to take me, I used to sort of commute, it would be an hour and a half each day and in a way I think that gave me quite a lot of independence mm-hmm. to go to go out there and go and speak to new people and, and find new friends and find new, have a new confidence in myself. And from sort of a very young, young age I, I was um, diagnosed as um, severely dyslexic so I always sort of found it quite difficult at school in a way, especially when I was younger um i always had this sort of creative flair and i would always go out and be designing or drawing or sketching mm-hmm. but when it came to the stuff of maths and and reading and writing i always found it quite challenging mm-hmm. so i would i would definitely have to say that 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 was sort of quite a big influence and that actually my mum and a massive support to, to sort of get me get me through and 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 then from there i sort of went on and, and used to do stuff we have in England we have a thing called sort of CCF and and uh, it's where they do sort of you can do military training at school mm-hmm. um, so with them we used to again sort of go and do do climbing mountains and but again I think that sort of gave me the skills of the teamwork and leadership that, mm-hmm. that in times that you need later in life and it actually gave me the confidence that okay I might not be able to do be the best at doing maths or something but at the end of the day I can still do well in life and still push myself. Mm-hmm. That's um, awesome. I love that you shared that dyslexia has not been as talked about in the past as it is now. So I'm glad that you yeah. mentioned that. And it also wasn't really diagnosed early on for many people. So I think that's important to share that you can have that sort of disability, if you will, and still overcome that. And I would love for you to share before you go on about that part of your life 
how that may have affected you as far as feeling discouraged at times or feeling not like everyone else? Yeah, I mean, to be honest with you, if I'm being honest, it's the first time I've ever really spoke about it, which now I've just probably spoken to, I don't know, God knows how many people about it. However, but I do think it is it is quite important. I think it's something that has defined me in life in a way. Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm not going to sort of go in and say, defeatist attitude, that, oh, I have this thing and what have you. But at the end of the day, I think that actually what it's allowed me to do is that by having something like sexy web, I mean, Richard Branson or Leonardo da Vinci had dyslexia. Mm -hmm. And actually, it allows you to open up a different part of your mind in a way. It allows you to be creative, allows you to sort of think outside the box and think of new ideas. And and especially, I I sort of find in my life that rather than navigating by, necessarily by numbers or words, I actually navigate by pictures. Mm -hmm. So when I'm sort of walking around, I I can see, I find that I can see details in things and that, I can see things a lot more clearly. Mm-hmm. But I, I'm not going to lie, it was a very big challenge, especially at, at primary school yes. level. I was always going through things where it was like, oh, it's just because he doesn't know his ABC or doesn't know his times tables. I used to sit down for hours reading these things and would never be able to, to memorise them or get them in my head. Mm-hmm. And then I think when I went to, to high school, um, that's when things really started to change. Mm-hmm. I started to see that actually... That, that this could be an advantage and, and then suddenly I was going from being in the bottom sets of everything to in the top sets of everything mm-hmm. and it, it, I think that's really sort of was a turning point really in a way mm-hmm. and then on to university. That makes a lot of sense and, and again I'm glad that you shared that part of your story it is valuable and important for people to feel like they're not alone that you can overcome these things and get through them and sometimes it's just as you said more pronounced in your earlier years than later when you are able to tap into your creative side and that whole other part of all of our brains that helps us to tap into I guess our passion and purpose yeah so what was it that created whatever passion desire in your mind to start helping others because obviously a socially responsible enterprise like elephant branded didn't just come out of the blue. come overnight <laughs> yes. yeah <laughs> No, definitely. I think, I mean, I think what really happened, so I, I studied uh, architecture at university and in my second year of architecture, I mean, I'd been out of the country, I'd been across to America, across the pond, as you'd say, uh, and obviously around Europe, but, but I'd never really sort of been anywhere exciting and interesting in a way. Mm-hmm. And in my second year of architecture um, as an undergraduate, um, we did a project where we spent six months designing a school for a township called Juberton, which is just outside of Klerksdorp, which is about an hour and a half outside of Johannesburg in South Africa. And it was honestly one of the most incredible projects to do as a 19-year-old um, to, to spend, as a group of, I think a group of 15 of us, spent six months designing this school. Mm. And then we went out on the ground for a further, I think it was three, four months, uh, and actually built the school in South Africa. Wow. And that was the first time that I'd really ever seen, in real term things, South Africa is actually quite wealthy in a way, but it was the first time that I'd really actually seen poverty. And, and we built this this incredible school. But what we didn't realise is, as soon as the school opened, all the kids came into the school. Mm-hmm. And we just hadn't thought about it, but they didn't have anything. They didn't have pens. They didn't have pencils. Mm. They didn't have, like, books. They were just writing on 
piece of newspaper. And in a way, I felt that we built, we built a shell in a way mm-hmm. because what we was missing was the school was... We had the teachers, but we didn't have the materials. We didn't have the things that make a school a school. Um, and in a way, that was something that sort of only just struck a chord then and there when I was there because previously I'd never, I'd never appreciated in life that, that actually a lot of people don't have anywhere near what we would consider just the normal basics right um so so my my thing was this sort of this huge lack of just the basic school equipment what makes a school a school mm-hmm. and then from then from that stage i i graduated from university and i got offered jobs in london and jobs in the city but actually i decided to take up a job in guangdong province in southern china in i wouldn't really call it a little town but a, a place called Shenzhen, um which has a population of 26 million people, which is nearly half the population of England. So it was um, a little bit of a, a culture shock. I, I flew straight in there, couldn't speak a word of Mandarin, mm-hmm. um, had first time I've ever been to Asia, um, but absolutely loved it. And when I was there, we went to some of the, the bits in the northern parts of China, and at weekends we'd go to Laos or Cambodia or the south of the Philippines. Mm-hmm. And again, every time we went somewhere, We'd go to these schools that NGOs had funded, mm-hmm. but as soon as we got inside, the, the kids would again just have have nothing, mm-hmm. and I just it just sort of struck a chord that there's got to be a way of of doing something where where rather than people just donating aid and, and giving stuff, that actually we can empower the local people and also we can put things back into the school system, mm-hmm. um, and and that's sort of what Elephant Branded is about. So what we do with Elephant Branded is that we work with a little village in Cambodia which is we currently have about 30 ladies who who work within the village all work in their their homes in the village most of them are, are widowers a lot of the the husbands have either died with the Khmer Rouge or or are currently sort of fighting at the border with with Thailand and and what we find is that they work they work at home in in their houses and we sort of try and give them the skills to, to make these bags and by making these bags it gives themselves a wage and gives themselves a way out of poverty and then for every bag we sell uh, we do like a one-for-one and we donate a school kit back into the into the uh, the school in the village mm. originally I was only hoping to maybe sell 50 of these bags and donate 50 school kits this school we built in Africa um, and now we find that this summer would we're uh, sending school kits to five different countries over the world um, wow and it's been it's been amazing sort of the uptake that people have had with it and how yes. people have got engaged and, and people go and volunteer and and deliver them so we don't just sort of give the school kits out but our volunteers mm-hmm. individually deliver each school kit and they work in the school between four to five months so they really mm-hmm. give like the skills and what makes a school a school like the teachers and the the equipment it, it's not made in a factory in china all our mm-hmm. stuff is i mean i've i I used to live in China and I've been to the factories there and and it's no it's no life it's not it's not nice so so what we try and do is everything that we make is is made locally mm-hmm. by local people local skills and out of locally recycled materials so all our stuff at the moment is made out of recycled cement bags so can I you do. explain to the listeners what exactly are the bags that the women are making sure so we do um, bags and purses and wallets at the moment, uh, which are all made, handmade out of recycled cement bags. 
So the idea is a local material that can be found easily and readily, readily available for mm -hmm. free that would otherwise go to waste. Mm -hmm. and we do a range of bags ranging from sort of a, a larger weekend bag down to sort of a smaller gym bag and then we do wallets purses we just started doing laptop cases and ipad cases mm -hmm. and our idea is that we can sort of grow the skills in the village that it's their enterprise they run it they manage it we just support it by using that model our, our principle is that we want to try and apply that to other villages so we're mm -hmm. looking at villages in uganda where we'll make bags and products from recycled WHO or World Food Aid bags and, and looking how we can apply that to other areas. So we've had people in Nepal contact us, people in Colombia contact us, all with little ideas of little homegrown businesses that we can just help and support mm -hmm. and through our one-for-one -one donate back into the schools in that area. So mm -hmm. it's been, I mean, we've, we're very, very, very young. Uh, we only started properly about five six months ago mm -hmm. um and since then it's just gone it's gone crazy but mm -hmm. um that's wonderful so they sell the bags and that income goes into the school and you also are donating a matching a bag for bag exactly exactly so we i myself and i have a guy who runs it with me we don't take any salary mm -hmm. out of out of it we invest back into the community and invest back into the schools mm -hmm. i mean we do turn a profit on it but that allows us to invest back into buying more more things and, and expanding into new communities but but yeah we don't we don't take any any salary from it ourselves mm -hmm. so when you're investing back or creating an entity say a new one at some place yep. you're giving them the materials you're teaching them how to sew or make the bag what what exactly do you provide for the okay. women or the village to create yeah. the bags so if i look at the new enterprise that we're trying to set up at the ground at the moment in uganda mm -hmm. um we're working with it's a slightly different model um because it's working with an existing school environment so we're looking at a sort of a college environment where where most of the uh, the pupils are about 25 plus in age and the idea is that we would combine with like a workshop facility within the school mm -hmm. where the pupils can come after school and they can go and make things and, and for everyone they make they they would receive a above the, the the wage for that and and by doing that what we would be providing is we're providing equipment so the sewing machines getting people in from Kampala who have the skills to teach other people mm -hmm. um, how, how to make make the products um, and then we also continually reinvest into it so reinvest into the we work with partnerships on the ground who work within the schools in the area developing the skills and we then reinvest into those communities not just through equipment but also through through training and the idea being that if people once people are trained up they can train other people or they can go and run their own business um, so that's what we're, we're about is is not sort of controlling people and and what have you but actually letting them have their own businesses and just supporting them with those right empowering them and that's wonderful Sorry. that's what many many people need is to be empowered to have the opportunity to learn a skill or to figure out how to do some sort of business or career if you will that will help them to sustain themselves exactly I mean our, our thing we always say is that aid is not the answer that actually by giving people the skills to get themselves out of poverty is the is the way that we look at the solution absolutely I completely agree with you 
Can you tell the listeners some of the stories that you have come across during this journey so far of people feeling encouraged, empowered, inspired? What did that look like? I'm sure there's some fabulous things that you've witnessed and things that people have expressed to you in gratitude for what you're doing. Can you share some of that? Yeah, I mean, I think that that comes in sort of two parts. It comes in the parts of of the ladies in the village uh, and also comes with the people who who sort of gone and bought a bag. Looking at the village, I was there last week actually in Cambodia um, where I lived in the village and I, I, was, I sort of went and we were speaking to this one lady whose, whose husband is, has, is fighting at the border at the moment and is off in the army and she had, she had like a real young baby. Um, one of the things we asked her was, was obviously it had to be translated, but, but I asked, does she enjoy what she does and, and I mean, how does it benefit her? And, and her response was that, that by being able to work at home in a home environment where she, she can work, for living but also to look after the children and mm-hmm. be with her child was one of the most important things for her mm-hmm. and she doesn't want to be in a situation where she has to go off to a factory or to to a workshop that's centrally located but by being at home with the family in a cohesive family unit was the, one of the most important things for her and then just down the road there was another family whose, whose father had been killed um, by the Khmer Rouge and they all worked as a little family all together and it was really nice like a neighborly environment where people would go and help each other out and in a way it is like a bit like a cotton industry but that's one of the nicest things about it that that it is about people mm-hmm. and it's not about huge volumes of production or or huge huge profits it's actually right. about people it's about community it's about the family unit and that's so important exactly. globally exactly you know? Yes. No, I completely agree, and I think that's something that my mum and dad always said to me from an early age. I remember, I remember sitting down at dinner. Every every dinner, we would have to sit down at a table and ask permission to leave at the end. And I think that's what sort of bonds you as family, and, and that's what I saw. That's what we encourage out in Cambodia is that that it isn't factory conditions, but it's it is it's community based and it's family based, and mm-hmm. it's with with the children. And, and I mean, I feel that's quite important. Yes. So, that's Cambodia, um, and then we've got to. I mean, the only reason that Elephant Planet is a success in a way is the people who engage with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I started. I first started selling a few bags. I, I live out in Hong Kong, so I started selling a few bags in Hong Kong just to friends, and then that's all really took off. And then I went to uh, Seattle in the US for a few weeks, and I gave a few bags to a friend there, and he started selling some, and then. I moved back to the UK and, and within two weeks I had people calling me up and saying, oh, how can I get involved? How, how can I can be part of this? And, mm-hmm. and suddenly next thing I knew that we had people in eight reps in, in UK universities all in their universities telling their friends about it. Mm-hmm. And, and from that we get people uploading pictures themselves back on, on our Facebook page and we get people sort of really passionate about it and people who want to go and volunteer and go and work in the communities. So... We just had some guys who recently cycled through from the north to south of Vietnam trying to raise money to, to send five children to university. Mm-hmm. And during the course, I mean, we, we sort of sponsored them with our bags, as users, kit bags, and then we gave out our donation kits all the way down. And then we had some amazing photographs of, of giving children on the streets or a school rucksack full of school equipment mm-hmm. and just, just the reaction that they got off it. 
I think they were actually incredibly moved by it. And by doing something so simple as as buying a bag or buying a wallet that in a way you already want, then you suddenly donated a school kit to a child. It's, right. I think it, it's pretty it's pretty good. Yeah, it's very powerful. And again, a, another easy way for people to help because sometimes we hear people say they just can't afford to do something or give or get involved. And really, when we make it simple, there's not really any excuses left. And it's I mean, amazing yeah. if we can do small gestures and collectively change the world. But even even just go on the Facebook page. And if you like what you've heard today, just maybe click a like and, and that, that that's as long as we can spread the message and spread this idea of of what we're doing, that it can be sort of an ethical consumerism where people can see where the, where things are made, then I think that's important. So. Yes. I would love for you to share because not everybody can have a vision and then pursue it and it happens as you have. What are some of the things that you had to overcome challenges, whether they were personal or professional, in order to start and continue on this endeavor? Well, I think there's been a few things. So, so I mean, I started Elephant Branded while at university. Um, so I was sort of, it's been quite intense. And and, and then since then, I, I work during the summers doing architecture um, in Hong Kong, which, which means actually we don't have to take any out of Elephant Branded. It means that it actually keeps its values and keeps its morals, that it, that it isn't, money driven or money based which is quite important but but what has been nice is is that I've actually found I have a guy who works on it called Tim Mendelssohn and he's much more number focused which is actually what what we need so in a way it's nice we both complement each other so I I sort of deal with a lot more of the vision and a lot more of the the ideas and, and working with the village on new ideas new designs and he is more based. I mean, I sometimes say, "Oh, Tim, I want to give, I don't know, give a thousand school kits away to this school in Sierra Leone." And um, he's like, "No, no, no, we can't do that because if we do that, we'll we'll um, we'll we'll have to stop tomorrow." Mm-hmm. And in a way, that's the nice thing that we sort of both balance each other out and bounce ideas off it. Right. Um, and then yeah, we might send 500 school kits to Sierra Leone on top of the school kits that we provide uh, normal. So mm-hmm. I think the skills. I have, I think, of being able to bring it out, but by having someone else on board as well allows the skills I have to be, some of the skills that I don't necessarily have. So when I spoke earlier about my um, maths and, and numeric skills are a lot better than they, they used to be, but at the same time, sometimes I need help. So mm-hmm. so he provides that, and I think that's how, how it works, and that's how it runs. And it's run by friends, and, and it's run about people. Um, so I think there have been a lot of, a lot of challenges and difficulties along the way, but also to ensure the rewards are out of this world. Just, just going back to the village last week, and I hadn't been there for a while, and, and seeing the difference on the on the ground by just not making something a factory in China, mm-hmm. by making it locally, right. just completely transforms at the moment thirty people's lives, and and hopefully in the future more. Yes, and that is is the most important thing for me. Yes, I mean I can definitely see how that would create a ripple effect. I mean those. Families, women are creating a message for their own children and being a role model to their own children. And at the same time, as you said, being able to take care of and raise their own children, which is so important. And so that ripple effect in the education and training of training others is just huge. And that's amazing 
that you all are able to do that, and that's awesome. How would people connect with you further, find out how to get involved, donate, whatever there are as far as opportunities to work with you? Yeah, I mean, there's all sorts of ways. So you can find us on, on Facebook at Elephant Branded or on Twitter at Elephant Branded. Um, we, we have a website that we're having a new website that's coming out uh, next month, which will be more interactive, more engaging, and we'll actually have a way that people can each bag will come tag so people can track where their bag has come from and where their donation school kit has gone to, which we feel is really important. Yes. But if people are in universities, we, we run a student rep um, scheme where we have, we have people who are interested and excited and engaged with what we do in universities in the UK and also in Europe. We have, we have a couple in the States. And that's something that we're really sort of trying to, to grow and push because the more people find out about us, the more people know about us, then in a way that's, that's what we need in a way, the exposure. So if people are interested in that, then you can email us, studentreps at elfandbranded.com and get involved in that way. Or alternatively, if you're just interested in a bit more information or, or you want to volunteer on one of our projects or volunteer to go and deliver, if you're going and planning your own trip and want to deliver your donation school kit, then again, just email us at uh, info at elfandbranded.com as well. Awesome. Sounds like a lot of different opportunities to get involved and help support. And I love that idea because I think that sometimes, especially these days with the financial situation that the world is in, people hesitate to just donate money. So when there's opportunities to actually be involved or do something they're on their own, so to speak, or to go somewhere and deliver a kit or whatever it is, I think that's really empowering for the person who's giving, too. Exactly. I mean, that's the thing. I would much rather that somebody sort of goes out and goes and sees on the ground what mm. what the situation is and then can we appreciate it and, and hopefully would start their own enterprise and start their own their own, own thing. So I feel that that is one of the most important things. And yeah, I mean, if people have... And then, right, well, they're here, then, then again, just go on Facebook and just click like and show your support and, and that's... That would be uh, amazing. So, that helps yeah. too. Definitely. That totally makes sense. Before we wrap up, can you tell the listeners, share some advice and tips on how to be inspired to finding and living out your passion and purpose? Because obviously this is a passion and purpose for you that I'm sure is work, but on the other hand, is as you said earlier, is very fulfilling. What would you say to people who have some sort of passion or stirring or desire within them to help others, to help change the world, how would you help them to start down that path? What I would say is one thing that I've sort of been ta taught from an early age was to take opportunities when they come along and don't be scared of taking them. So mm -hmm. whether that's going and, I mean, I, I learned to, to fly before I could drive a car and, and, and whether it's going out or going and seeing the world or going and, and doing different things, I think sometimes it's it's very easy not to take an opportunity, and sometimes mm -hmm. a lot harder to take one, mm -hmm. but just go out and take it, and trust you in a way, especially at my point in life, I don't really have anything to lose, mm -hmm. and in a way, by going and doing that, you never know what's going to happen, you don't know whether you'll start your next social enterprise, or you don't know whether you'll do the most amazing thing that will completely transform your life, so right. I would say there's, there's opportunities in life, especially when you're young and don't have commitments, that actually sometimes those are the best times to take the opportunities. Yes. And in a way, in, in sort of the, the financial climate that we, we say we're in nowadays, that everyone is out there looking, looking for jobs and looking mm -hmm. to go and, and find something. 
in a way go out and and you can go out and make your own dream dream job in a way by by just going and doing something that you are engaged in and something that you're passionate about so i would say yeah don't ever lose your values and and dreams and don't and don't be money focused but but just go out and enjoy it and and hopefully my grand i remember my granddad used to say if you go into the world and come out and you've made a difference to one person's life then you've you've made your mark in life and live live a, a good life so so just go out and, and don't stamp on people hopefully engage with people and and take those opportunities when they come along mm-hmm. wonderful i love that that's great advice and i think everyone should take heed regardless of your circumstance if you have some stirring within you take a chance and see what happens because you just never know and you definitely never know how many lives you can positively impact exactly exactly James, thank you so much for sharing a part of your story and for talking about Elephant Branded on the show today. I wish you the best in your endeavors, and I hope that if anybody's interested in helping or getting involved, they will contact you through one of the the options that you mentioned to be involved and that your enterprise continues to grow to help others. Thank you very much, Andrew. Again, it's been an absolute pleasure, so thank you.